0: Shalom and blessings. This is Pastor Clifton McDowell Sr. here at the Church of God of East New York, located in the heart of Brooklyn. Thank you so much for tuning in to our podcast, and I pray this week's sermon blesses and encourages you for the journey. God bless. Now, enjoy the sermon. Well, um, I'm going to ask that you return in your Bibles to the book of 2 Corinthians, the book of 2 Corinthians. Second Corinthians, the letter to the church there in Corinth. Second Corinthians, chapter 11. Chapter 11. Paul finds it necessary to address his Jewish opponents who had set themselves up within the city of Corinth to influence the church that Paul, God had used Paul to plant. They came to the Corinthian church with a false message, making false claims to apostolic authority. Verse 1, Paul says, I hope you will, in verse 1, I hope you will put up with me in a little foolishness. Yes, please put up with me. He says, I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. He says, I promise you, I promised you to one husband, to Christ, so that I might present you as a pure virgin to him. He says, but I'm afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. For if someone comes to you and preaches a Jesus other than the Jesus we preach, or if you receive a different spirit from the spirit you received, or a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it easily enough. I do not think I am in the least inferior to those super apostles. He says, I may indeed be untrained as a speaker, not as eloquent, but I do have knowledge. He says, we have made this perfectly clear to you in every way. Was it a sin for me to lower myself in order to elevate you by preaching the gospel of God to you free of charge? I robbed other churches. I I looked to other churches to support me. I received support from them so as to serve you. And when I was with you and needed something, I was not a burden to anyone for for the brothers who came from Macedonia supplied what I needed. I have kept myself from being a burden to you in any way. And I will continue to do so Surely as the truth of Christ is in me, nobody in the region of Archaea will stop this boasting of mine. Why? Because I do love you. Because I do love you, God knows I do. And, and I will keep on doing what I am doing in order to cut the ground from under those who want an opportunity to be considered equal with us in the things they boast about For such people are false apostles, deceitful workers, masquerading as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It is not surprising then if his servants also masquerade as servants of righteousness, their end will be what their actions deserve. We'll stop there. Paul is addressing the church because others have come in among them teaching them things that are apart from the gospel. Jesus had already left the church its marching orders. In Matthew 28, then Jesus came to them and said all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He told them, "Therefore go and make disciples. Make Jesus followers who actually follow me." A disciple, a disciple actually follows the Lord. He says, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. In other words, they ought to be baptized so they'll openly make a commitment, showing their commitment to Christ and the church. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And he says, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Teach them, train them, model before them, equip them to live out what I've commanded you. And he told them, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Paul recognized that Jesus had given the church his, their marching orders and what Jesus gave to the apostles, he gives to the church Lord had summarized the very spirit of the commandments in the law. A man went in Matthew chapter 22, when one of the experts in the law came to him with a question, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus, without batting an eye, without pausing, he says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And then he says, and the second is like the first. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Love God like this. Love your neighbor like this. Then the night before Jesus would go to the cross, before he was sitting with his disciples around the table, and he placed a caveat on the command of love in John 13, 34. He said, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. He's telling him, don't just love your neighbor as, I, as you want to be loved. He says, no, because that'll make it all kind of arbitrary. That'll leave it too much up to you. He says, no, love one another the way I love you. He says, by this everyone will know that you are my disciples. If you love one another, the love that you show one another, it ought to be modeled by my love for you. Do you get it? He says, I'm not leaving this up to chance. I'm not leaving this up to you. As you see me love, I'm the example. And so, Jesus left us our marching orders, told us what, how about love, and that love was to be the key to fulfilling the great commission. And Paul goes around as a missionary declaring the word of God, sharing the word of God. He went to a young man named Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3. He says, he tells him and he charges him. He says, but as for you, Continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you have learned it. And he says how from infancy you have known the scriptures, the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise. You've known this. Wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. He says all scripture, all scripture, is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness so that the servant of God, so that the people of God, men and women, young and old, may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. God wants you to be thoroughly equipped. No matter what gender you are, no matter what age you are, he wants you to be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The reality is that we live in a day in which too many of those who say they are followers of Christ, they know more about movies and sports stars, know more about the stock market and government and politics, know more about what is trending on social media They know more about entertainers and song lyrics than they know the Word of God, than they know about the person of Christ, His church, His Word. And so they are easily deceived, easily lulled into a false sense of spiritual security, Easily led astray, easily prone, a man to embrace what Christ would reject. They are shaped more by the culture. They conform more to the world around them. And they are being transformed into the image of Christ by the word of God in the inner workings of the Holy Spirit. You remember the fairy tale Snow White. There was a wicked witch who stood in front of this big mirror and she looked into the mirror and she was looking for this mirror to compliment her. You know the story. She said, Mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the fairest of them all? And to her shock and amazement, rather than seeing herself in the glass, rather than the glass giving her the compliment she was expecting or wanted to hear, the image of Snow White appears in the mirror. The wicked witch, she looks in the mirror, and instead of seeing herself, she sees somebody else. You know the story. She made up in her mind she was going to destroy that person in the mirror so that the next time she looked in that mirror, she would see herself. She would hear that mirror compliment her. You're the fairest of them all. I think sometime when we read the Bible, we expect the Bible to be a mirror and show our image. But the reality is when you open up the word of God, you're standing before a mirror, but that mirror is not to reflect you. That mirror serves to give you a picture of Jesus Christ, the Lord of lords and King of kings. Then he challenges us to be like the one in the mirror, to be conformed to his image. The enemy wants to destroy that image, distort that image of Christ. And if he can't destroy it or distort it, he'll settle for keeping us distracted from being fully devoted to following Christ in every area of our life, of every moment of our lives. Romans 12, 2 tells us, do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what is the good and pleasing and perfect will of God. The goal that Christ has set for us, the Bible tells us, is that we would be not conformed to the world, but that we would be conformed to Christ. It has already been predetermined that we are to be conformed to Christ. Not the culture, not America, not to the islands, but Christ. This is the message that Paul preached and that he taught. The primary aim of his opponents at Corinth was to undermine and destroy his reputation. They wanted to destroy Paul's apostolic reputation and subvert the gospel that Paul preached. What they taught was calculated to bring about Paul's downfall in Corinth and establish their own credentials. Everybody's not in your corner. Everybody, a man that um, looks like they are for the Lord are not for the Lord. They wanted to establish their own credentials and their um, positions as servants of Christ. They were looking to impose certain elements of the Jewish teaching and practices on Gentile Christians and to say that these are prerequisites for salvation. I'm so glad that it's Jesus and Jesus alone. Amen, amen, I'm so glad. Amen, it's not, amen, about not eating shellfish. It's not, it's not about keeping certain days holy. No, it's about Jesus. Jesus came to fulfill the law. What was a shadow becomes reality in Christ. And so they wanted to put um, extra things and say, no, you've got to be more Jewish in order to be a Christian. Because you, listen, you got to remember Jesus was Jewish. Hello. Sometimes we try to separate his Jewishness, and we try to ignore Israel. No, you, this is the path that the Lord has brought us. Amen. This is the path that the Lord has engrafted us on. But it's in Christ, in Christ alone, that I find salvation. Somebody ought to say Hallelujah so Paul describes, he describes his opponents in 2nd verse 13 through 15 of 2nd Corinthians. He says, for such men are false. They are false apostles, deceitful workmen, masquerading as apostles of Christ. No wonder Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. And it's not surprising then if his servants masquerade as servants of righteousness. He says, but their end will be what their actions deserve. Some of the Corinthian saints were being influenced by those teachers who had infiltrated the church. And so Paul pleads with the believers in a spirit of meekness and gentleness for them to listen to him, to avoid having him to come boldly confront those who are behaving according to their flesh. False teachers to whom some of the Corinthians were listening had a faulty view of themselves. Bible says you ought to not think more highly of yourself than you ought to. So it says, we ought to have sober um, estimate of ourselves and listen, you, you are all wonderful, but don't go too far with that. You, you are all beautiful, but don't take that too far. See you can get, um, you can get high on yourself. you, you can get so um, con- it with your own abilities that you fail to recognize that, listen, you can't do it on your own. You need other people in your life. You can live in such a way and think your abilities and your gifts are so wonderful that you don't have to look to God. You don't, you don't have to depend on the Lord. You can just do things your way. These, these opponents, these, these super apostles, they were measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves to themselves. They served as their own standard. Isn't that crazy? You measure yourself by yourself, Your standard is yourself. No, we answer to a higher authority as the people of God, as leaders, as men and women who are disciples of Jesus Christ. And it doesn't matter how young you are, how old you are, we all answer to the Lord. He's our model. He's our example. He's the standard. He's the image in the mirror. And so we've got to realize that we can't serve as our own standard. And certainly we can't allow the world to be our standard or the culture to be our standard. Because every one of us has been contaminated by sin. Yeah, that's right. Red, yellow, black, and white. White. We're all contaminated by sin. We all have sinned, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The wages of that sin is death, and that's a broad brush. All of us come, amen, tainted by sin. All of us, none of us are exempt. Our only legitimate standard is the word of God. The Lord Jesus Christ says I'm the same yesterday today and forever. People change on you. Have you noticed? People change on you. Family changes on you. Spouses change on you. The world, neighbors, they change on you, but Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forever. His word stands true. And to live with in God borders. He gives us borders and some of us want to live outside of God's borders. We want to, we want to determine our own boundaries. But the only place you can really be free is in, within the boundaries that the Lord has set for us. Because it is there that you recognize and there that you maximize your uniqueness and abilities. Do you recognize there's nobody like you? But you can never fulfill all your uniqueness, all that God has put in you, except you remain in the boundaries. When is a train more like a train? When it's on the tracks. When is a fish more like a fish? When it's in the water. When is a bird more like a bird? When it's in the air, we've got to learn that the boundaries that the Lord has set for us are not to stifle us. They're to keep us free. You try to live outside those boundaries you produce frustration and it often leads to sin. The false teachers had promoted themselves as being superior to Paul. But Paul knew that he was not inferior to these so-called super apostles. They had accused him of being an untrained public speaker, but Paul knew that knew his knowledge of the true gospel and he knew the content of the message, that that was far more superior and far more important than oracle skills. See, in, in the Greek culture, you were taught how to be an oracle. You, you were taught how to speak in flowing words with, with, with grace and, and power. It was not just the content. You had to be a super, you your delivery had to be dynamic and super. There are a lot of people who have a dynamic style and we get enamored by the style of delivery and we lose connection. We, we, we'll go to church and we don't know what we heard, but we had church. Why? Because of the oracorical skills of the speaker. Paul says, I was not trained in those skills in the Greek culture skills of an orator but Paul says I know what I know Paul said I got the content I got the real deal and I may not deliver it like other folks can deliver it but I'm going to tell you the truth may be a dynamic and persuasive public speaker, but if you're not proclaiming Jesus Christ as Lord, if you're not proclaiming Jesus as crucified, he lived, he died, he resurrected, he ascended, he's on the right hand of the Father making intercession. If your message is lacking Christ, you'll be void of the power that comes from his word. Paul knew and was confident in what Christ had equipped him and called him to do. He knew his assignment. See, listen, I'm not, I may not be the best preacher or the best teacher, but I know my assignment. Amen. And when the Lord comes and He calls my name, I want to be able to say I did my assignment. I didn't make, I didn't get on everybody's who's who's list. I didn't get a lot of titles. Didn't get it, but I want to know that I completed my assignment. We are here on assignment. Stop being jealous of other folks' assignment. Stop being jealous of other folks' ability. Find your assignment and get to it, and then don't worry about other folks' assignment. Oh, this is good. Paul calls his opponents exactly what they were. False apostles. Deceitful workers. They were devilish imposters. And that is in the church today. You ain't got to say amen. And just as Satan disguises himself on this Halloween, Just as Satan disguises himself as an angel of light in order to deceive and corrupt those that want to follow Christ. So these false teachers, these pretenders, they're going to be judged, just like Satan's going to be judged. And so if you can take a word from this message, I want you to take the word masquerade. Because I want you you to leave here knowing the enemy's masquerade some things may look good sound good even make you feel good but my prayers that you will be able to have an increasing level of spiritual and natural discernment as you continue to mature in Christ and in life so that you'll be able to tell yourself and those that you're discipling in the faith be careful because it's a masquerade. Can you say that with me? Say, it's a masquerade. Amen. Amen. Deceptions and pretense are at work in order to disguise and cover up the trickery that's at work. What seems to be a treat is only a cunning ploy to deliver a deadly trick. It's a masquerade. Psalms, or 2 Peter Second Peter chapter 5 says, be alert, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Standing firm in the faith because you know that the family, you know because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. Don't assume that Satan's temptations and tactics will always be devious. Obviously devious. He's a liar. He's a deceiver. And he he has practiced his trade for thousands of years. And so don't ever think he's not good at what he does. He's familiar with your weaknesses. Mm-hmm. Just like a coach, whether it's a football team or a basketball team or any sports, who is in competitive, just like that coach will study the game films of his opponents. He studies them, she studies them in order to exploit weaknesses and tendencies. Oh, they always go left. No, they always go right. The goal is to study the film in order to see weaknesses and tendencies. And don't you think that the enemy studies your films? Don't you think that he studies to see your tendencies, your likes, your desires? He's trying to see how he can exploit them, the enemy of your soul. He knows how to make Giving in to his temptations and suggestions appear to be the right thing to do. He he knows how to make it appear to be a good thing. That's why we have to put on the full armor of God. That's why we have to stand... If we're going to stand against the schemes of the devil, we've got to put on the full armor of God so that we'll be able to resist him as we hold fast to our faith. In the book of Ephesians, he says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you, are, you can take your stand against the devil's schemes for your struggle is not against flesh and blood. Your struggle is not against me. Your struggle is not against your husband. It's not against your wife. It's not against your children. Your struggle is not against who's in the White House or who's in Gracie Mansion. Your struggle is against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil. Amen. Amen. The spiritual forces of evil. Amen that are all around us. He says, listen, he says, stand firm. Having done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth. Put on the belt of truth and buckle it around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in its place. He says, have your shoes on, your feet ought to be fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. He says that you ought to, in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith which you are able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. He's shooting at you. Amen. Look at your name and say, he's shooting at you. You're in his scope. Amen. He says, but you need to have the shield of faith that you can quench all the fiery arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. He says... And then he says, that's not enough. He says, you got to pray. He says, pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. He says, with this in mind, be alert. Say that with me. Say, "Be be alert. He says, always keep on praying. Always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me, Paul says. Don't forget me. That whenever I speak, words may be given to me so that I will be fearlessly, I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. I want to tell somebody, you can't get rid of Satan. You can't go to the desert and be free of him. You can't go to a Christian resort And think he's not there. You you can't find a church where he's not present. You, You can't find a community where he's not there. You can't get rid of him. He's been limited by the Lord. But his influence is everywhere. And he has a good argument waiting for you with your name on it. For every situation you'll face. Can't get rid of him. It's like the woman... Bought brought a very, 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 very expensive dress. Did I say expensive? She bought a very expensive dress, and, and she went, amen, and she went home, and she shared it with her husband, and, and she shared how much it had cost, and a, her husband asked her the question, why in the world would you buy a dress that expensive? You know we can't afford. Why in the world would you do that? The woman looked at her husband and said, honey, you don't understand. You just don't understand. The devil made me do it. I tried it on, and the devil told me, you look good. You look awesome in that dress. That dress is you all over. You got to have that dress. You got to buy that dress. And the husband said, well, why didn't you tell the devil to get behind you? His wife said, I did tell him to get behind me. And he went behind me and told me I looked good there too. (laughs) One of the things that the enemy will do will flatter you. One of the tools in this masquerade that he's pulling off is to flatter you. It's part of his his masquerade. He'll tell you just what he knows you want to hear. Psalms 12 verse 1 it says the psalmist says, help Lord for no one is faithful anymore. Those who are loyal have vanished from the human race. Everyone lies to their neighbor. They flatter with their lips while they harbor deception in their hearts. May the Lord Silence all flattering lips and every boastful tongue. Those who say, by our tongue we will prevail, our lips will defend us. Who is the Lord over us? Flattery always becomes the spoken language in a culture where people give themselves to vanity. It's saying only what other people want to hear. We don't want to offend anybody, so we only say what we think they want to hear. We, we don't want to bring up the subject of faith in God because that's just too heavy. Just just flatter me. It's one of his brands of deception. If you only hear what you want other people to say, then the end then you end up not being able to see the light of the gospel of Christ. The desire for flattery runs deep. And you may not think you want flattery, but we live in a culture that promotes flattery. Amen, we live in a culture, amen, that that tries to tell folk, look at the elections. When election time comes, folks don't tell us the truth. They tell us, they flatter us. They tell us what we want to hear, and then they get in positions, and then they don't do what they said they were going to do. And you don't hold them responsible, accountable. Or you don't even vote. If the only time you vote is when there's a presidential election, you are not being involved in the very things that affect you the most. This is a local election. They're going to say who's going to be the next mayor of the city. They're going to say who's going to be the next borough president of Brooklyn. They're going to say who's going to be the attorney general. Who's going to be in charge of the controller. Who's going to be in the, in the seats of council. Who are going to be the judges. And if you're just waiting until you see somebody such and such and see if he's going to run again then you are sitting out at a time when you should be involved. But folks will tell you what they think you want to hear. And then we don't hold them responsible for what they say. Isaiah told them in the book of Isaiah chapter 30, he says, these are rebellious people, deceitful children. Children unwilling to listen to the Lord's instructions. Listen to what he said. They say to the seers, see no more visions, and to the prophets, give us no more visions of what is right, tell us pleasant things. We want to go to churches where they don't call sin, sin. We we, want to go, amen, to places where they just tell you how you can prosper and go around smiling all the time. And so they said, listen, just tell us pleasant things. Prophesy illusions. Leave this way. Get off the path and stop confronting us with the Holy One of Israel. We just want to be affirmed. So don't tell us about the Messiah. Don't tell us what is required of us as the people of God in this world, but not of the world, called to be holy as he is holy. We don't want to hear that. That's going to make us uncomfortable. It's not what we want to hear because it's not what we want to do. Just flatter us. It's a masquerade job. Paul tells young Timothy preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Here's what he says, for the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, and he's talking about us, instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. That's part of the masquerade of the enemy. That's how he transforms himself into an angel of life. And he has folks that will tell you just what you want to hear. You can get them on your phone. You can get them on your iPad. If you don't learn to study the word of God yourself, if you don't study to show yourself approved, young men and young women, you will find yourself having a form of godliness and denying the power thereof. You've got to not accept the illusionary myths of the enemy told the Lord, I'm, I'm going to preach what you say. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, amen, call, call white black and black white. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Why? Because your soul is at stake. You can go to hell feeling great. You can go to hell with a, with a closet full of clothes and shoes and cars and stocks and it will not follow you. There is a hell. And it's worse than the hell you find here. The goal of flattery is to turn you away from the truth. From God's word and what that word calls you to. But the flattery is part of the enemy's masquerade. Not only does he use flattery, he uses vanity. All his vanity saith the prophet. Amen, it's a tool that the enemy, the enemy's masquerade uses. Satan is in the business of blinding people's minds so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. And to that end, he'll cause you to be wrapped up in your own importance. I'm so important. I'm so necessary. I, you know, I, I don't know how that, that church, I don't know how they're going to get along without me. I, woman, you need me. Don't don't, don't upset me because I'll leave you in a minute. I'll leave you in a good heart minute. You need me. You know you need me. Man, watch watch, watch how you deal with me. You'll never find another woman like me. I make you look good. The enemy gets us wrapped up in our own importance. Focused on our own desires. It's all about me. Your your mind becomes dominated by what's going to be the next game or the the, the most recent um, reality show. The most shocking sound bite on social media. He tries to keep you talking about things that have no importance at all. Listen to your conversation. Nothing of real substance. We major in the trivial, vanity. He aim, his aim, the enemy's aim in this masquerade is to keep you from ever thinking seriously about life. Do you know it's possible? It's possible to go to church, hang out with your friends and never think seriously about the meaning of life. Never think seriously about God's purpose for, you, for your life. Never think about what is God calling me to. Vanity is a trick of the enemy to get you consumed with nothingness so that you will never think about the real, true, serious matters of life. That's why you have young men and young women who never grow up. They're perpetual children. Because the enemy will, in this masquerade, not only does he use flattery, he uses vanity. Be careful how you just tell your child, oh, you can, you can, what's that song? You can fly, you can reach the sky, you can be anything you want to be. You are ignoring boundaries. You are ignoring what, that God has parameters. You know they flunking out in school. You know that they're, they're, they're not doing what they're supposed to do, not doing their homework, and you tell them, don't worry, baby, it's going to be all right. Uh-uh, it don't work like that. Go back to school. Get your degree. Do the work. Okay. I'll give you one more. I can see time is far spent. One more tactic of the enemy. One of my favorite Christian writers, Warren Worsby, He says that this, and you need to write this down because not only flattery but vanity, but this last one, write it down. It's a tactic that is used in the universities, in government, politics, cults, entertainment, sports world, motivational speakers use it, religious teachers use it, but it's part of the masquerade, the enemy's masquerade. Here it is write it down. Satan likes to use the Christian vocabulary but doesn't use the Christian dictionary. You need to write that down. That's a tactic. That's part of his his masquerade. He'll use Christian knees but he redefines the words. He'll use the Christian vocabulary but not the Christian dictionary. He's been doing this since the beginning of time. In the Garden of Eden, Satan discussed wisdom with Adam and Eve. Knowledge, the knowledge of good and evil is wisdom. And he he promises them that wisdom would be found if they would eat the forbidden fruit. And yet he changes the meaning of what wisdom really was. He lied and said that the only reason God didn't want them to eat the fruit was because in doing so, they would be wise as God. They would become like God. But wait a minute, that's not what God said. In Genesis, that's not you read the book, that's not what God said. He says, you are, God told them you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. That's what he said. True wisdom would have said, if they had true wisdom, they would have said, put the fruit down. Adam would have told Eve, Put it down. Because he's right there listening. Wisdom would have said, God told us not to eat it. God didn't, God said don't eat it, and that ought to be enough. See, God didn't want you choosing what's good and evil without him. He, He wants you to have him in your life, walking with you, talking with you, rather than you just coming up with your own conclusions. But it should have been enough. God told them, don't eat it. Who cares why God said not to eat it? The creator, the one who made you, designed you, said don't do it. And that should be enough. More than enough of an explanation. It was the Christian vocabulary that was used without... Christian Dictionary. Satan likes to convince people that they have real faith. You know how you get on you know everybody that gets on TV and they get an award. I want to thank God because I'm a spiritual person. What does that mean? And nobody asks them what does that mean? Because you know I'm a Christian as they're out at the nightclub Shaking it, shaking it, shaking it like it, like it just don't, you know. As they're, 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 they've got their cigar in their mouth and they're walking around with their drinks in their hands. And they're, they, just, they just had another affair with somebody else's wife or husband. But I'm a Christian. I love I loved Jesus. What is that? Using the vocabulary without the dictionary. What does that mean to have faith? What does it mean? to I I love everybody. What what does love mean to you? Is it the love that the Bible describes that never fails? Are you getting married with the love that the Bible describes? Are you getting married out of lust? Are you walking away from a marriage that the Bible says love never fails? We live in a world where the enemy uses Christian terms. And if you've not listened to some of the commercials that have been coming on lately, can you see that the very commercials are using Christian songs, Christian lingo? Why? Because the enemy wants to get your attention. He wants to lull you into a false sense of security. But I've come to tell you it's part of his masquerade. He's masquerading. And he's pulling too many of the saints in. I challenge you. I challenge you. To be watchful and aware. To take your allegiance to Christ seriously. Take studying the word of God and being obedient to God's word. Take it seriously. Take a good long look at the Christ of Scripture and what the Bible teaches. Take the enemy serious. Stop thinking. He's not a boogie boo. He, he's not walking around with, with ears and a pitchfork and a tail. He's walking around in a double breasted suit. He's walking around with a Bible in his hand sometimes. He's walking around with flowing words. He's walking around in the latest stilettos. Take him seriously because he's taking you seriously. Give your life fully to Jesus. Be careful of who's teaching you in the faith. Be careful of who's teaching you in the faith and be careful of who's teaching the one who's teaching you. And I still challenge you on this last day of October, 2021. Return to gathering with your brothers and sisters physically. Get out of your bed. Get out of your pajamas. Put on some clothes and come to church. It's time. This was just... A, staying home was just being concerned about the public good, the public health. But the doors of the church, the building where this church can gather together, they're open. Yes, we still got to follow protocol. But there's room for you. Go back to church. If not this church, find the church. Gather with the saints. Fail not to gather The fail not to gather was not what we've been doing online. Go back to church. It's time. Make it a goal to bring glory to God in all that you do. Be who Christ calls you to be. Be the light. Be the salt of the world. Be alert. Be watchful. Be clear-minded. Because your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion Not just on Halloween, looking for someone to devour. Don't let it be you, and don't let it be those around you. I'm going to ask that you bow your heads right where you are. The scripture says all have sinned. That means you, that means me. All have sinned and come short of the will of God, the glory of God. And the scriptures still say that the wages of sin is death. But it still holds true that the gift of God is eternal life. That gift of God that comes through mercy and grace. Right where you are in this room or at home, wherever you are listening, whether you're listening to this as a recording or as we are talking live, you can ask for forgiveness. You can ask and receive God's forgiveness. Give him your whole life today. Make him Lord of your life. Acknowledge that you've sinned. Acknowledge that you've gone your own way. The Bible said if we would confess, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He said, whoever calls in the name of the Lord shall be saved. He said, if you'll come to me, he says, I stand at the door and knock, and if you'll open the door, I'll come in. Amen. Father and the Holy Spirit will come in and we'll have fellowship with you. But it is appointed unto man once to die and then you must stand before a holy God and you've got to give an account. And I'm trying to wake you up, shake you up, that it's a masquerade the enemy is using all over the world. In Brooklyn, in New York, Ohio, Atlanta, Florida, Arizona, New Jersey, all over the world he's using it, Virginia. It's a masquerade. He's got all kinds of masks. He wears all kinds of costumes. But his goal is to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Seek the Lord while he might be found. Call upon him while he is near. Father, I pray for those that are in this room. I pray for those that are listening and looking on. I pray, dear God, that you would stir their minds up, help them to think seriously about their soul, about the direction that their life is going into. I ask, oh God, that you would draw them to you, that, Holy Spirit, that you would convince them that they need you, that you would open up our eyes to see help us to see through discern through the vanity, the flattery and the vocabulary of the enemy Father I thank you that you still reign you reign in majesty victoriously, gloriously I thank you, dear God, that we are still on the winning side with Christ Jesus. I thank you. Help us to walk the walk and not just talk the talk. Help us to be there, God, the light of the world and the salt of the earth that you called us to be, that people would see our life and they would be drawn to you. Help us to love like you loved. Help us to do like you did. In our time and in our generation, I pray. Touch somebody even now, I ask you. Father, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for joining us this week. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, share it with your friends, and tag us in your social stories at C-O-G-E-N-Y. Thank you to those who have given generously to this ministry in the past. And if you'd like to become a contributor, head over to C-O-G-E-N-Y.com. At cog-eny.com and just click on the offering and donations tab. Again, thank you so much. Now, God bless.